So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, Freedom Fighters, to Cash Flow to Freedom. We are so excited to kick this one off. This podcast today is following up on two others that we did on entrepreneurship. They are our highest downloaded episodes so far. Me and Rock are super excited to dive into this one because we're very passionate about it. And I think that for a lot of people, this is of high interest because a lot of people want to start a business, they want to get into something, they want to take control. They have no clue where to start. They don't understand what makes business successful and what makes businesses fail. And we really wanted to get into that. How to set up and how to start a business that has high probabilities of being successful. Yeah, and I think there's so many different business models that we can get into, but I think the foundational principles kind of run across all of them. And whether you're starting a real estate business or an e-commerce business or a service business, the underlying principles of fulfilling a need and having a decent barrier to entry and understanding how to control the business, all those things kind of factor in and we can kind of get insight into what all the what what all those factors are, so you can keep an eye out for them. It's interesting because the same reasons that I think businesses succeed. Once again, it doesn't matter which industry and what you're doing. The same reason businesses fail, you see in every single one too. Yep. So it's these universal concepts like the execution, the nuts and bolts part of it, where that is very individualistic based per industry and per people and things like that. Yep. Those change wildly right? It, there's no exact roadmap, but there's still, though, the foundations that make them successful are always the same across the board. Yeah. And I think most people, you have that the statistic that most people, that's, I think, what is it? Nine out of 10 people that have started a business fail. I think that that percentage or ratio changes with the more information and things that you're applying to it. And I think the foundational principles kind of alleviate and make that ratio better because when you understand that you need to create a business that services people's needs or wants versus your needs or wants. That alone will, uh, I mean, I I made that mistake a couple times. And of course I'm going to fail because I have no customers. And so those types of things make a big difference. Okay, so you're exactly right. I want to hit on a couple points there because it's really important. And, And you hit on this great idea that, yeah, nine out of 10 businesses fail. But also, they forget another statistic that, you know, most business owners that are successful own multiple lines of revenue. Mm -hmm. They own multiple businesses that are successful. So a lot of people are failing, but then a lot of people that figure it out continue. continue. They succeed multiple times because they understand the principles that make them, them successful, and they reapply it in the crazy industries that have nothing to do with what they did before. Yeah. You know, when we got started in real estate, I came from brokerage. And being a broker, and I own a brokerage firm now, and those two things didn't correlate at all. I found the correlation within my core competencies to make it work, but the sound fundamentals work, and you can be repeated over and over again in different models. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. The first step on this, the first of everything, is that it's not about you. I look at it as businesses. All businesses is a structure to deploy value to people. That's it. You are simply creating something that can transmit value in one way, shape, or form. Right. That's all it does. 
Yeah, I always think back to MJ DeMarco's book, The Millionaire Fast Lane, how he has the the his command. I think it's six commandments or five commandments, and it, it's uh, the acronym is Sense C E N T S, uh, where you need to have control, meaning that you're not an affiliate or and you can be an affiliate. People big, build big businesses, but you don't have full control over their business. You need to have a high barrier to entry. You need to fulfill the need, like we're talking about. You need to have control over the time. The last one is it needs to be scalable. So those those things, I always look, whenever I'm looking at a business or what people are doing, I'm like, where do these things falter? It's hard to hit every single one, but obviously the, the need is probably the biggest yeah. one in my opinion, because if you're not filling someone's need, you don't have a bit, like you, you can't sell anything. I want to hit on every one of those points with you here, right. but we need to roll it back a little. I want to make sure people are very clear on our understanding of what a business is. Because I don't believe that selling an MLM, I do not consider that a, as a business. Unless you own it. Unless you own that Because that's your sales model. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you are selling somebody else's stuff for them, and just because you have an LLC no, doesn't you're, make you're you a business owner. Right. Exactly. You're an affiliate. Things like that. So I view a business as where you own the intellectual property, and it creates revenue that is generated. And that revenue is then redeployed back into itself. So and it's it pays not, you. And it pays you. So it's not just, you're not just receiving an income, like an affiliate. And two, I, I guess it is true that franchises are a form of business, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about creating a business, not purchasing a business model and making it work. I've owned franchises before, owned a lot of locations, stuff, done gyms. I own technology companies now. I own service companies, real estate. I've done franchises. It wasn't for me. But there are pros and cons to every. What we're talking about today is not affiliates, not MLM selling, not franchises. We're talking about you creating something of value and then how you would create a structure to deploy that value to a consumer, right? And how to do it in the correct way. So the model, what he's, what, what I think MJ DeMarco is talking about is he likes to use the same acronym and idea that I like to is the wealth vehicle, right? It's getting you there. You have to be own the vehicle. I think that's the bottom line. Right. If you don't own the IP, the intellectual property, and if you don't own the actual structure, the yeah. model, then it's not your business. Well, it's like if you're if a rain gutter cleaning company, you need to own your brand name because that's the brand name is what people will search and what's what it's what you market. It's like if if you sell a, a physical product, you need to own like a Keurig. You need to own the brand name. You don't own the coffee machine. You don't have as much control. And I, I think that's super important in any type you're of right. business model. There's a reason for that. We're gonna hit this on both sides real quick. I'll hit the service side because I own service business. Then let's have you hit the branding side and talk about that real quick. Now, the service side is interesting because I think that's one of the first places people go because it's very understandable, right? Bob needs his lawn mowed. I grab my lawnmower. I go mow Bob's lawn. And in return, Bob pays me $20. We all learn that very early on, right? I can do things for other people and they'll pay me. I can do their taxes, right? I can help them find good insurance, right? That's what my service company does. And this is a great way to introduce. One of the things though, that I believe if you want to really turn this into a business, you have to get away from a fee for service. Because if not, you really are 
you're you're just getting paid for your time as if you were in a business right so uh, uh, an employee so and this is important because I learned this the hard way and if you don't you know you once again you can't get traction and you need to be able to redeploy that capital into something that'll make you more money so how I look at service companies is let's say we're starting we're keeping this really simple if you have a lawn mowing business right you need to create that service. You need to separate it yourself out from your competitors so somebody has a reason to hire you and not everyone else. And then you need to be able to scale that service, right? right? That's where the business comes in. You need to be able to multiply it past your time for doing it. And most people that get in the service business, where they fail is they eventually get tired or they eventually realize that they're doing a lot of work and they're not getting paid enough. So then they just go do something else. That's just simply how it ends. They don't build any infrastructure. And the reason I think in service industry, it's hard to build infrastructure underneath you is that takes away from your money. So let's say that I'm selling life insurance or that I'm mowing lawns, you know, that money that I have to do to hire the next person or that I have to hire the marketing company or whatever, you're taking that money out of your own pocket. Cause every time someone pays you the profit from that's yours. So if you're using that simply to live on, when hard times come, you have to go and you have to go do something else because you have no nothing else to live on. And to grow, you have to like start really small. So I think if you're starting in the any business, but particularly in the service business, you have to be ready to work ridiculously hard, make very low money, and you need to be generating a good, good profit. But that money has to go back in return because you got to hire people in the service business, right? You got to hire people to do things. Right. And that's how you grow a service business. Most people fail because they can never hire and they can never get people on board to help them provide that service to other people. Yeah. And in service business, I feel like it's, it's very people oriented. And when you're e-commerce based, it's more, it's still people oriented, but it's more about the quality of your product and your marketing and all those other factors. And if you don't have control over your brand and your product, then anyone can duplicate you or replicate you or rip you off or whatever it is. But if you have a strong brand, branding is, I mean, that's why people buy Nike shoes versus New Balance shoes or, or Under Armour versus your buddy's clothing line. The brand matters so much. And if you're going to create a an e-commerce brand or product, you're, you're better off starting off the bat rather than selling a generic product, creating a movement or a meaning and a message behind the product so that not only do people associate quality or whatever you're trying to present with the brand, but you instantly add value to the product without anything even being there. It's more emotion-based and it's super important. I like to think of brands and the reason brands are important is because you can grow horizontally versus uh, vertically. So you can take your brand that you have on your company and you can slap it on anything within that industry, right? And that niche and sell that. Now, if you're selling a coffee maker, it's not your brand, it's not anything else. You just have to try to grow by selling more coffee makers, right? which that can, that'll fluctuate massively. You don't have anything that identifies yourself for consumers to go to. You usually have smaller margins on and on and on. If you have a product though, that stops performing as well, you have 10 others that are performing, right? So you reduce your risk, you grow horizontally, it increases your profit margins because you're deploying something, different products and everything else like that. But the same, what it took for you to get that one product out, it still takes, it takes the exact same thing, or you have those fixed costs because it's just one brand. Right. And it's easy for you to grow your business horizontally. You don't have a brand 
it's really hard to do that. Yeah, you don't have direction or, or like a target, like an avatar, your, your target customer. Because yeah. like any brand is oriented and obviously you can't think about big brands, but but most brands have a target demographic that they will niche down to and they'll create like products horizontally to service that customer. So they don't buy one thing, they buy eight things. And having control of the business and having control of your sales channels and your products and your revenues and your brand, that is crucial if you're going to start a business. And two, I think it's important also to understand that that's way harder. Oh, yeah. It takes years. So you have to be ready to work. And my favorite mode of starting businesses is that you work and start the business while you're working. Because I think we live in a weird world where today where you romanticize entrepreneurs. It's really strange. Like you see them all over like social media, everything. I'm an entrepreneur, right? And it's like this magical thing. People think I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to live free and everything else like that. And I, I, one of the reasons I have a problem with that is, first of all, that's not reality. And second of all, it really dampers the pain, the struggle, how hard it is to get a business started and the understanding that cash flow is the lifeblood of your business. So you need to be ready to be working because you got to generate an income to supply that business with cash flow. Right. It, it's not just going to magically be profitable. Yeah. And I think what people tend to do is they'll start a business, get it to where it covers like the profit, the total profit covers exactly what they need to make per month. And then they will just be like, okay, I don't need my job anymore. And the way I always saw that was, well, you just not, not only did you up your risk personally to yourself by just losing an income stream and, but now you're sucking the entire lifeblood of the business to live off of. And so when people say, oh yeah, I make my, my company makes 50 grand a year. And then that's what actually they make, which that's, I mean, that's a, a lot. The average business probably makes that in, yeah. in profit. Most of the, those companies would fail because you didn't get yourself to a point where the company's paying you a salary that's probably higher than your job. While you're still working at the job, you're able to reinvest thousands of dollars back into it and you're still producing a profit. So you have all your bases covered in where you're profitable, you're growing and your salaries and your time's covered because most people, like we all know, they don't pay themselves for their time. They say they make 150 grand a year and they should realistically be paying themselves an $80,000 salary with how much time they're working and what they're putting into the business. And they're saying, oh no, it's $150,000 net profit and you can't base your income. But it's not. No, it's no. not. It's just making up numbers. Right. And the biggest flaw with the fake entrepreneurs and everyone knows them is that either they don't make money or they make just enough to say they are. And, and they won't last. For context, I doubled my annual salary in revenue per month. If that Does that make sense? The revenue per month was double my annual salary before I considered leaving my job. Yeah. And that was way more than the same with me. I worked at a corporation when we had well over $50 million in assets and our profits per month were way over six figures yeah. and I didn't, we didn't want to touch it. Yeah. And this is really, really important. I'm not saying that you have to get to that level or anything like that. What you need to understand, first of all, is the concept that your business needs to make money. It has to pay you. Then it has to generate money to be the lifeblood of the business. Operating. If you don't, there's no room to grow. There's only room to fail. So you can either be the best thing for your business in the form of free labor, ideas, building, 
working overtime, doing what people won't do, or you can be the worst thing for the business because you're drawing all the resources. The resources need to go to customers. It needs to go to the business structure, not you. Yeah. And I think the glimpse, like it's the, it's the marshmallow test. As, the, as soon as somebody feels like they can live off of it, they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to work my 40 hour, my nine to five anymore. I can go do this full time. But then you cut all your opportunity off because you can't grow anymore and you're limited by only uh, like the effort that you put in. And it might work for some people. I'm sure some people have done that, but the better way to do it, like you said, is keep your job, grow it to a point where it's you can consciously make the decision and be like, no, this isn't going to it's not going to change anything. And the time I'm going to free up, it's going to exponentially grow. That's a much more rational way of well, approaching. Uh, it. OK, a perfect example of what we're explaining here is we're cash flow to freedom. You want financial freedom. If you make fifty thousand dollars in profit for your business, but you have to work full time to make sure the business doesn't fail, you're not financially free. Right. You're not. And people think, oh, I'm financially free because I don't have a job. No, you do. You do have a job. You have to operate the business. This is a very important distinction that I think people just don't understand. And that lack of understanding can kill your business. You need to be able to reinvest companies to grow. And I am a strong believer that companies that don't grow just die. Mm -hmm. The competition will come get you. Exactly. And inflation will get you. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that you're making fifty thousand dollars a year. That's great. How's that going to work for you in twenty years? Yeah, it's or not five, yeah, or five, five years. years, whatever it may be. You do not have time. You don't have money to reinvest into your company to provide services that all your competitors are. Now you're smashed. You're gone. You're, you become irrelevant in the marketplace. So this is not just about becoming a huge organization or whatnot. And a lot of people are like, "Listen, I'd be fine." No, you won't. Your company won't make it. This is about putting the company before you. We're talking about building a successful business. We're not talking about you being able to buy Ferraris or whatever you want to do to put on your Instagram, right? You got, it's the marshmallow test, like Rock's saying here. You got to be able to do what Rock did and you got to be able to work a full-time job, then work nights, weekends and everything like that because the business needs it to survive. Mm -hmm. You got, it just, it has to have that capital. Now, how a lot of people supplement that right there is they raise funds. Yeah. So that's how people supplement it. They say, I, I want to attribute 100%. I want to grow this super fast. Okay, well, then you need to go get a million dollars from somebody so you can pay yourself and still have plenty of money to hire employees, grow products, all that kind of but stuff. But then you got to ask, are you actually free? Because now you owe that person a result. Yeah, you and work so, for investors. And I've always thought that, like, you, sure, you could get there sooner. But did you really get there? And what did it cost you? And I was, I, I would... I, I don't know, personally, I wouldn't take it unless there was a project where I needed it to achieve a massive scale. Well, I think my company is no yeah, Facebook or anything. A, a good way to look at that is like you're talking about you're, you wouldn't, I wouldn't either. I haven't done that. But when you're trying to accomplish a goal. Yeah. It depends on how big it is. And right? it not only how big it is, but what the goal is. So a lot of people, you have entrepreneurs out there that are so passionate about a product, right? Which... We'll talk about the pros and cons of this because I am not like that. I really love building businesses. I love investing, things like that. But it's not like I'm just like, listen, you guys, this cup holder is the best cup holder the world has ever seen. Everyone has to have this cup holder, right? And I'm going to go get $10 million and I'm going to give this cup holder to every person in the world. You go raise the money. Everyone in the world has your cup holder. You reached your goal, right? 
this is a different form of entrepreneurship. I view these people as like the rock star almost entrepreneurs where they're, everybody views it as like, oh, they were just so passionate about their product and they got their product in the hands of the world. Well, when you're doing that, you are sacrificing your freedom, you're sacrificing your time, you're sacrificing money, capital, your, your returns that are coming to you, all those kind of things. If that's your goal, that's fine then. That's fine. That's not rocks nor necessarily my goal. I want to deliver amazing products to people. I like providing services. I like doing all those things, but I'm not stuck on one thing where I'm like, my goal is just this to do this one thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of like you're talking like Steve Jobs and the iPhone. Yes. Or Steve Jobs and Apple. Yeah. Steve Jobs and Apple. Yeah. And that's not necessarily me. And I think that's very few people. I think most people are looking at running businesses. They want to give great products. They want to compete in the market. They want to do all those things. But it, they're sitting at home and they can't start because they're like, I don't have that great idea. Right. And this kind of brings us back to the first, because we kind of got back up here. We started talking about scaling and using capital and everything like that without getting into what business you should start and why. And I think when you look at different entrepreneurs, there's different kinds. There's different kinds of people and different kinds of entrepreneurs. And that depends dramatically on how you format your business. And you need to understand that because I think a lot of people get confused that they want freedom, but then they look at people and maybe business models and things. That wasn't what the design of that was ever for. It just was never meant for that. So copying that business model and that pathway will never get you what you truly want. Right. Right. You're doing something totally different. And so I enjoy the game, so to speak. And I enjoy competing. I, I, I enjoy all those things. I'm really interested in financial freedom, all that kind of stuff. But I never wanted to go raise tons of private equity. And that just wasn't my thing. Yeah. And I, I think for anyone starting out, when you're looking at a business, I would look at what people are doing around you or what you're observing and try to replicate it in your own way. And it kind of depends on what you like. I mean, if you like to invest, look at people who are real estate investing around in your area, start to emulate them. If you if you like branding and products, look at, try and see what you use and or, or see what your friends are using and try and see how you can import it or manufacture it. and Do it better. Yeah, and do it better. Just add a little tweaks here and there. And, and obviously, there's so many avenues to sell online nowadays through Amazon or Shopify, Google Ads and Facebook Ads. It, it's so simplified. All you got to do is kind of just start YouTubing and Googling around, figuring out how to put, put the pieces together. Because what you can sell and what you can do, yeah, right? These are two different subjects. And, and, and there's a lot of people that have the excuse like, you know, you hear the phrase, oh, I wish I would have thought of Facebook or I wish I would have started, thought of Instagram, right? Or, or whatever it may be, like yeah. that great product. I wish I would have thought it. Like that if they had the idea and they created the idea, that somehow that would have equaled the same outcome. Right. And that's fundamentally not true. Mm -hmm. Facebook wasn't thought of and Mark Zuckerberg became a billionaire, right? In fact, even when Facebook was very, very large, they would be at their meetings saying, someday someone is going to build a social media company that is going to connect the entire world. They never even thought it was going to be them. Yeah. They, they didn't even believe that, right? They were just doing what they needed to do for their business. They were take, making sacrifices, taking the time to build. They're, they didn't have a winning product out the door. So don't expect to have the winning product before you get started because that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. 
the winning product at the end is only seen at the very, very end, right? Right. So most people start out and their services or their products and everything aren't that good. I mean, what was yours like when you first started? Well, I mean, I've, I've gone through like five iterations of the, my first product. And well, and I, I mean, I failed like six different ideas because I didn't know the factors that played into it. Like how I think any business that's online needs to have some sort of paid strategy to scale. So what I mean by that is that you can't wait on Google to rank you to start getting sales. You need to figure out how to put your product in front of other people and have them purchase it. And tell you either why it's good or why it sucks, and then you can make it better. Well, yeah. If your ads don't convert, then you need to fix your ads or your product. And if your ads do convert, then you need to get them profitable. And I think I just didn't understand that or didn't know anything about it. So one, if you're not getting any sales and you're not making money, it's probably because no one's seeing your ads or that your ads suck or your products suck. And you can kind of backtrace it and, and figure out what that is. And my second thing was like, I didn't have a good product. So I need to figure out how to make a better product and import better. Building a brand and having a good brand, like aesthetic and look, all those things kind of play into themselves. If you're starting out, the best way to, to kind of figure something out is to look at the brands or the products and the companies that you like, see what they're doing. And obviously you're not going to go look at Nike and be like, oh, what are they doing? I'm going to go copy them. It's never going to work. No, you, no. But what you can do is look at a local clothing line that seems to be blowing up in streetwear. And you go niche and you figure out a little niche and, and try and... The, all I did was I looked at two to three different guys that I knew from this forum. I looked at what they were doing and they were doing it in different niches, pets, beard care, all these different things. But I was looking at the principles of how they were branding, how they were making it, what their numbers were. Like no one's going to tell you their numbers, but you can kind of just start to learn it yourself. And then I applied it to what I liked and it it eventually worked. And that's a super simplified version of how it worked. But by looking at what other people are doing, you could start to put the pieces together for your puzzle, not copying other people, but figuring out what works for you. And and two, this is really important because there's no such thing as an original idea in this world. And it's not that you're copying, you're saying what works and, and doesn't work. And you don't know what you don't know. So you don't end up with a multi-million dollar company because you figured out how to build it. That's not how it works. You go through a failing, rebuilding, failing, rebuilding yeah. process. And as you learn, you take what's good, you throw out what's bad, right? Now, this process, this is when it comes back down to, you know, this takes capital, this takes time. You have to allow yourself to be able to fail. There's two ways that I like to think to hack this. Now, if you're in like Rock's niche and Rock's world, Rock did a really good job in the products and online things is he failed really small. So he would launch maybe a product and do some test things on Amazon and see what he's doing one way or another. And it was just he'd try some products and the ones that work, you'd keep going and then you'd grow them. And you went from selling a few today to selling 10 a day to selling all of a sudden over 50 a day over the years that went by. But you started small and brought each one and you took the winners and you let the winners run. And then and you keep doing that to this day. So you're learning as you're going. And then, two, you tied yourself around people that knew what they were doing. So every time you ran into something, you'd say, hey, I need help here. Right now, this way is what I agree on the service side, everything else like that. You can't start a business and a service to solve problems and to provide value that you don't know how to solve or provide. And I think a lot of people run into this problem, right? They're 19 years old. They come out of school, right? And they're like, 
why hasn't anyone solved global hunger, right? Let me be a life coach. Let me be a life coach. Let me all of a sudden provide all this value or service. And then they fail and they're just, they don't know why. And they think, oh, it's because I said, well, you just don't, you don't know what you don't know. So a great way to do this is when you, you either get a job in the service industry or whatever it is and the problems you're interested in, things you solve, and you learn. You go there and you figure everything you can out. Take it with you. And then when you figure out how to do it better, right? Corporate America has produced more small businesses than any other entity in the world because all their people leave and start businesses, right? right? They get really good at what they're doing. They've learned everything that they can. They take, take that immediately out and, and they go and they do it. In the service industry, that is such a fantastic way to go about it. You know, think about something that you're good at go learn how to turn that into a business by working for a business that does that or something that you're interested, work at a business. And when you're there, ask questions that nobody else is asking. What are our margins? How much do we make? How do we market, right? Start digging into the company, asking them all sorts. And as you learn this, you find opportunity. The more you learn, the more value you start to see. And two, you see what, what value is not being fed and why? Then you can ask why. Why isn't anybody doing this? Right? You know, we're invested in a technology company. And the only reason we're doing this, and we have very, very high hopes, we've invested a lot of money in this tech company. And we've just got it started. We've hired all the people, all the programmers, everybody else. And the only reason we're doing it is because we need a product that does something that it doesn't do. And we need one that works really well and what's being provided doesn't do it and it doesn't work well. And we went and asked a bunch of other people that were in that industry. They all said yes. So all we're doing is we're starting a business. It's not gambling. We're building a product to fulfill our needs. I would have never saw that before. I could have never found it. So a lot of people are like, I don't get opportunities. If you're not doing and if you're not learning, it's not that you don't get them. You just don't see them. They're everywhere. Yeah. And I think a great thing that most people can do is find somebody to work for that's doing stuff that, that you want to do or you want to learn from and just work for them. Even though you, you can work from for you, like I've worked for you for four years, just being around you as, and, and, and the whole team here, because these are not low level people. Everyone's here yep. is extremely high level. You get to learn the principles of business and how you, and just observing how you guys think and how you operate. Then it just becomes normal to me, but then I'll be in another business situation where those people, they're not operating at that level, but to me it's normal. And so I think all those things have helped me grow to a point where obviously I'm not going to end up working here anymore. Mm -hmm. And, but that, that's just a, that's a testament to the fact that that does work. Yeah. Being around people that are doing it rubs off. Yeah. And over time, if you actually apply it and do stuff with it, you can go do your own thing. I believe Honestly, and I truly believe this from the bottom of my heart, pride is the reason most businesses fail. Yeah. Like if you have a problem that you can't solve and so your business fails, why didn't you find somebody that could solve that problem? I promise you, any problem you run into in business, someone can solve it. Mm -hmm. There's not one business issue in America that cannot be solved. If you're operating with people that are good at solving problems and good at finding solutions to make things work, you're able to pull knowledge that, first of all, you would have never had originally. And second of all, you might not ever even need it, right? I hire lots of people. 
And I have lots of partners that I work with to do things within the framework of my organization that I never will know how to do, ever. And I don't want to. So if you're an entrepreneur that thinks you want to be this like token person and you want to look awesome and have people that you know all the answers, everything like that, you're already at an, a massive disadvantage because you have all these resources that you're too prideful to even go and pull around you. Mm -hmm. You should go and find somebody and connect with. I can't tell you how many people that I was surrounded with growing up. My dad was such a tremendous example. And, you know, my parents, I attribute so much of my success to, but I got the amazing opportunity to work in a business where I worked with companies all over our state, all over the North, all over America. And I saw so many of them fail in 2008. I worked with the owners. I worked with the CFOs. I got to see why some were successful. I got to ask questions. What are you doing in your business? Why is this happening? The amount of information that I gleaned from that, I, I mean, you, you can't pay for it. And I did a lot of things that most people wouldn't do to put myself in that situation. I'm out knocking doors on a sales job of companies trying to get into companies to sell their products, right? right? It's not like it's fun and glamorous. I was a commission job, right? But that's how it works by doing. Even think about you. The first time we even met, you just walked up and said, hey, I want to go out to lunch with you, right? Yeah. We didn't know each other. I wasn't. It's not like we were set up and people are like, oh, hey, here's your new mentor. No, you need to go find those people. You need to provide value to them. So the first time we met, we had lunch and Rock he literally said, I want to come work with you and your organization and I'll work for free. And I'm like, no, and we didn't hire him. He came <laughs> back and he just kept bugging us till finally I said, okay, you can come work with us, but we're not going to allow you to work for you. We're going to pay you, obviously. You know what I mean? And that is basically how I met people and got it. I kept knocking on doors. I kept talking to them. And I said, what can I do for you? Let me help you. Right. And then in return, I gained knowledge. Yep. And, uh, a lot of people want the shortcut. They want the on entrepreneur where all of a sudden the, they can say that they are and they're successful. So they do shortcuts and they don't build out their business properly. They quit their job as soon as they can because they want to say that they're an entrepreneur, they're financially free or whatnot for the sake of saying it. I really do believe that pride is your number one failure. So if you're looking at your path and there's no answers, things like that, look first inside, yep. then look at the problems you have and then go attack them. And with the help of other people, start calling. Find somebody that will take you under their wing and help you get someone that's been there, done that at the end result. Yeah, I always look at the results. Yes. That was the thing that was clear with you is I was at a, a real estate investment association meetup and you came in and all those guys were in their 50s or 60s, probably 10 of them. And I'm there, like 19, just trying to learn. Yeah. And you came in and it became a Q&A with you and everyone's like, wait a second, what are you doing? Because you owned, I don't know, like eight facilities at the time and everyone's curious about that. And then I was realizing, oh, he has results because I, one, I know my dad, my dad thinks he knows everything. But as soon as he was like, what's he doing? I was like, oh, so it was kind of a tell. And then just, I, I mean, that was, that's, that was an obvious interest. And I think and you can tell, don't go to the guy who's on his second bankruptcy and is driving the the flashy car and not paying his child support. And and you could tell that in a couple conversations. Well, you can just see it and and you probably won't see it on the on initial impression, but the cracks in the wall will show. And obviously your habits in business emulate through your family, like you yeah. have a great family, 
take like awesome kids. Like you're not just one dimensional. And I would be super cautious if you're brand new to business to make sure you don't pick someone one dimensional. And I got super lucky with that and seeing I have a few mentors that are fully well-rounded. You brought up a really good point because finding a mentor and obviously in hindsight, this seems easier than it is because, but when you're looking for mentor, I, it was luck that my dad was a good mentor. And then I learned and I searched out people that had good qualities. I think being a part of a church and different things like that were really good help. But when you don't know what you're looking for, and you're then trying to find, I think a lot of people get lost by flash. Oh yeah, totally. They say, oh, you're driving a Ferrari, so you must be successful. But I actually don't know if you even own it. I just see that you have it on Facebook yeah, or whatever it is. So I just assume you are when I can tell you right now, not one mentor and not one hugely successful person that I know. And these are people with hundreds of millions in assets is driving around and posting Instagram pictures with them with the sports cars. They don't act like that. They don't do that. But to the untrained mind, that's really hard then because you don't know when you're sitting next to the guy that's right. got this huge empire and he's sitting there in his jeans, you know, so you really need to hear him, listen and interact. And that's them. not to say that some do own nice cars. No, like, that's not they, to say that at all. Yeah. yeah. The odds are that it's most well, yeah. but you can also go buy a Ferrari for $30,000 down and pay two grand a month for it. Exactly. Like, it's not hard. That's to get not how you vet people. Yeah. But, but yeah, look at like, look. obviously you want to see the type of business model they're doing. Like, are they, do they have a department to handle chargebacks? Like, is that the type of person they are to where they'll hire people solely to take money from people who are not happy with their purchase? Don't be short-sighted when picking a mentor yeah. because it can either set you back or help you forward. Oh, it'll totally, yeah, it could, it could blow you back. You, uh, yeah, you, you could, could waste. I, I know a guy, this is a crazy story. I know there was this group and they, they got called the guppy tank. They got uh, mentored by this guy who had a lot of uh, strong reputation in this group. And he ran what everyone thought was legitimate. And he had done all these things that we, what we thought was legitimate, but he ended up, uh, it was a scam supplements, reoccurring type business model. And what he had done is he had gotten all these kids who they were his media buyers running his ads and stuff. He'd gotten them all to open up credit lines and credit cards and LLCs in their names. And then he had used them to just blow them way out of proportion. I, I remember talking to this kid. He still had like $60,000 in a credit card he had to pay off from this guy who just ditched them all. And so like that's an extreme case. And obviously I would hope that everyone like does a bit more like don't do that. Don't build a don't don't yeah. open your credit card up to somebody. But that's just an example to show well, that you but this is a great example to bring up a point that I always thought about. Mentors shouldn't need you. Oh no. Never So if your mentor needs you yeah, that and is sense. asking you to do things for them, there's a problem there. Yeah. Right? Like the mentors that I've had, I've had to literally bug them. I had yeah. to knock on their doors, call them. They didn't become my mentor for a long time because there was no reason. They had no reason to talk to me. Right. They had no reason to be around me. And I had to be actively engaged in seeking out people that I knew had social collateral as well as economic collateral. And there's lots of people that knew them, were very aware of the businesses that were successful or credited. Once again, keeping your eye on longer term things than short-term things because th that was a financial you're talking credit card yeah. and things like that but time is probably the most important i mean right. if you waste years following something and learn all these bad habits 
and get taught all these things that are short-term, get-rich kind of stuff. Cost the opportunity cost blown. is blown. It's massive. And two, then you learn wrong information, and that can destroy things that you're trying to set up before. Yeah. So that's probably the most important thing is finding a mentor. When trying to identify your idea and trying to start a business, I think that we kind of come back to this demand thing because I think really starting out, it's important to understand it is not what you like. It's not what you want. And people may love what you do, but it only matters when they give you money. Yep. So don't validate your ideas. Don't validate what you're doing with people that have emotional ties to you in any way, shape, or form. And then even if they don't have emotional ties, nine times out of 10, somebody's going to love whatever you say because they don't want to be mean to you. So what I like to think of the product, and I charge the highest price that they may be on the market for that product. And if I can't get people to buy it, I'm probably not going to be successful if I can even get one person to buy it, right? You need products that people need, as in you're, you're understanding their problem. You say, hey, why don't I fix that for you? And they say, thank you. You're not building something and saying, hey, do you want it? Do you want it? Right. Right? It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of thinking. And you need to become a producer, not a consumer. And that is what makes entrepreneurs. They are producers. They create what people want and need. And that's, you know, once again, there's lots of different avenues, everything from service, products, there's investing, all that kind of stuff. But demand is demand. It doesn't change. Now, I think real quick, this is a lot of information, a lot of good information. And before we end, Rock, I want you to give them what you need to do before you quit your job because you're done. Yeah. You're out living the entrepreneur life, investing, running your business. What do you need to do before you quit your job? Like in terms of setting yourself up to, to quit? Yeah. How do you know when it's time? I mean, I would try to, I mean, I held on to this job for a couple extra years that I needed to, but I, I think I did it because I could keep doing both. Like I, I don't think it affected the work at the job because it's not fair to you either to, mm -hmm. to be working on my stuff but I like not okay well I was hey <laughs> I'll tell you now yeah. you knew this I knew this but I don't think it have dramatically affected it like you yeah. still got the output that you guys needed yeah. and I think only when I was starting to see that and I was going to school too so it was, it was all a lot yeah but I think when I started to see that some of my my stuff was falling behind and then some of your stuff was falling behind I was like well this is it but that was at a level where I mean most businesses don't even get to that level. And and it was also comfortable because I've been on a salary for over a year so that it's not going to affect my ability to go get loans because mm -hmm. I do want to keep buying real estate. So I have the W-2 history. I started running ads for an agency, pay-per-click ads. And so they've, like that has really replaced my income here, but it's also, it's replaced my income, but my time, I've saved that 40 hours a week and I probably spend maybe five hours a week, maybe a little bit more, depending on how intensive the client work is. So I kind of have pushed everything towards e-commerce so that I'm not so diverse in real estate than back and forth. And I've saved, I mean, I've saved up a, a ton of money for an emergency fund. I, I have uh, probably enough to live on for a couple of years if something went horrible, but I've also have low expenses. So I house hack, I don't have a rent payment. I don't have consumer debt. I don't, I have so you payments. diversified your income. Yeah. So you have really low income risk. You've lowered your expenses. So you have control. You don't, uh, do you have consumer debt? I have like 300 bucks on a credit card, but I just, I, I, I just use the credit card and then I'll pay it off. Um, and your business is scalable because yep. you can keep growing it. So you're not sucking on the cash, right? Right. And, can, and uh, you outsource most of your functions. 
Yeah, I, I it have doesn't a, require like sixty hours a week, right? Right. Well, that's one of my concerns. Is like, what am I going to do at the time? But I think there's a lot of things I don't do because I'm like, it's not a necessity. But I think those necessity, like those little things, add up to where they are a necessity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I outsource like almost everything's outsourced, or I have employees that do it. But so I, you hit all our four pillars of our cash flow to freedom. I'm I'm just saying, if you don't know what that is, go right. to the blog. <laughs> thanks for thanks for the setup. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that if you're trying to do it, I I think don't rush it. Like I spent, I planned this when I was 18. I like literally planned it, and I was like, man, I I hope I get a mentor. Like I used to think that, and then I ran into you, and then it didn't it didn't none of this happened the way I thought it would happen, but it all happened exactly how I needed it to happen to get to where I wanted. But yeah, I started planning this out of high school. I was like, hey, I need I don't want to have a career. I want to own my own business. I want to invest. And over time, like I thought I would need way more than I currently have. I thought I would probably need a hundred properties. But to think a hundred properties, I would be set forever. Like that's so much. Yeah. And I'm you could get be set for forever in five properties if yeah. you if you manage your lifestyle right. I don't have crazy expenses. You've hit on something that's really important. And I have spent a lot of time thinking about this because there's a science to some of the stuff we talk about, right? It's like it's math, things like that. But what you just hit on real quick here, this is this is an art. And it's an art of creating the outcomes that you want, but not forcing it in the way that you want. And I find this is hard for me in my life and other people's. And what I mean is this. I see it on both sides. Like you see people that just don't create outcomes in their own life. So they're just going with whatever's happening, right? I have a job. Great. I get fired. Oh, no. Right? It's just they're being acted on, right? Rather than imposing their Right and imposing. So they're not building a life. They're just simply going with the flow. But then you have other people that are trying so hard to force it. It's... Well, there's some people that's just cringy, but then too, you have other people that are trying so hard to force it. They're they not miss even, it. They, they miss, miss it. it. Exactly. Cause there's this middle ground where you have to go. So you knew where you wanted to go, but when your path totally changed, you just turned with it. Yeah. And I think what I would do if somebody's listening is if, if somebody, I hope somebody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> what I would do is I would see where you need to be. I'd backtrace it to what you need. And then I'd try to work forward to it. So if you need, I mean, if your monthly expenses are 12 grand, which I think mine are probably about a thousand bucks a month because I might have a $2,000 mortgage, but it's paid for. So like my total output from my money is about a thousand bucks a month. And yeah, I could spend more. I just don't need anything else. But so 12,000 and if, if my, let's say my salary is 50 on my W2 job where I'm working, well, and I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I just want to hit 50. So if I can hit 50 in something in something that I control, well, then everything else should be covered. And, but I want that 50 to be somewhat secure. I don't want it to be like a one-time project. Yeah. So what I did, built. I mean, the e-commerce thing is 50, but then I doubled it with the ad stuff, yeah. which is more. And so all that stuff kind of compounds on itself. And eventually, yeah, you're right. You're so secured and diversified mm-hmm. and you have low expenses and it's diversified to where I don't feel, I don't feel stressed. I don't feel forced i don't feel and i was able to i gave you two months notice yeah and we trained steven to come in and, and he's fully competent so you guys are comfortable which is how i want to end yeah. the relationship with you guys or at least this experience with you guys so everything flowed perfectly 
And, you know, it's interesting when you map it out. Like, as I was going along, I was in college, and I read a book by Warren Buffett, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Snowball? Uh, not Snowball. It was uh, one, uh, the Warren Buffett way. Not by Warren Buffett, but about Warren Buffett. And it was there in college that I realized, geez, being a billionaire is super easy. You just own everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and in my mind, I knew how to do it, right? And I remember this because I was sitting in my apartment, and maybe what it was was my apartment was like maybe a bedroom, and it, it was above an auto body shop, so maybe it was just the fumes from the paint that they were spraying coming into our $300 a month apartment. But I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it right. I'm going to build this out. And I was so excited. So when my wife got home from working, because she made money, I, I just went to school. I was living off her. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, you know, I, I knew I was going to become an ultra successful billionaire. And I looked at his model and I kind of mapped this all out, right? Well, that just immediately, obviously, everything that I thought it was going to be or knew to be everything. All of a sudden, you start going, and it's like, oh, geez, this is yep. nothing how it is in the books. Yeah, the real world gets Yeah, money. it's like, wow, this is almost devastatingly different and wrong. And then you start up, and you go away again. And I, I developed a three-pronged approach where I, I, I segmented my income, right? I needed passive income. I needed scalable income, and I needed earned income. I have a wife with four kids. Diversification of income is extremely important to me to protect them. In case something bad happens, like you end up in a coma and go paralyzed or something like that. And so, you know, I kind of worked on that. And even after working on that, I was still working a full-time corporate job when we had all our assets and everything like that. And then after I came out, I had my passive income still. I still started up other businesses. It always changes. Yep. And as you're going along, entrepreneurship is all about change. And so I think don't get discouraged. You got to start, you got to fill demands, you got to build it out, but be ready to change and be ready to take on those new things and fail, but set yourself up to fail and you'll get there. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, we do this for free. This is, we love doing this. Please, if you could share this, if you've enjoyed it, and if you could get onto iTunes, Google, wherever you're listening it to and give us a five-star rating, it helps us out so much. And also to give us feedback, go to Cashflow to Freedom. You email us directly. And I want to hear what you want to learn, what you want to know more about. Give us your feedback. We'll actually make a podcast discussing those topics. So please let us know. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.